the first time I saw that scene in a movie, uh, this may risk my masculinity a little bit, but I cried. Um, because, at least for me, there was something special going on to see a grown man who also plays Wolverine, Hugh Jackman, <laughs> which buys me back my masculinity, okay? Uh, singing and dancing, and you see this journey where it's, we all know little kids dream. We all know little kids uh, might sing and dance and shine those lights, but to see somebody hold on to the dream after the slap in the face, after the poverty, after his dad dies, and still as a grown man, unashamedly dancing on the rooftop with his wife, holding on to a million dreams. And when I saw that, I think I cried a little bit, just a, just a you know, small tear that then turned into sweat. <laughs> I don't know, after that, a, a goblin. Um, but I think I cried a little bit because it was like, okay, it's okay. It's okay to not let go of your dream. You know, sometimes I think with great intention, people will tell us to grow up. And what they mean is because they love us, is they, they mean have a family, have a job, don't be homeless. But sometimes what we hear, and sometimes also what they mean, is let go of that thing that made your eyes twinkle. Let go of the wonder and settle. Sometimes it seems like growing up is actually growing down and growing into what everybody else is. And so this movie, um, which if you haven't seen it, it's called The Greatest Showman, is about uh, Phineas T. Barnum, P.T. Barnum, who created the circus as we know it. Wildly successful, amazing shows and he showed that he could keep his dream, at least as the movie depicts, I think the real guy who didn't look anything like Hugh Jackman, which is kind of disappointing. Um, yeah, I think he was short and squat, and he, but he still had a dream. Uh, but P.T. Barnum showed you could hold on to a dream from a little kid. You could grow up into an adult, but you didn't have to grow out from the dream. Now, what does this have to do with church? Besides that we all like popcorn wherever we're at, Amen. You can continue to eat your popcorn. I will preach even as you slosh and crinkle, okay? Now you make me feel bad. Does everybody already eat all your popcorn? Bring out some more popcorn. Cue the music. I'm sorry. That was all the popcorn we had. Maybe afterwards. Um, what does this have to do with Christianity? What does this have to do with sitting in church? And that's, I want to let you in on a little secret. If you're a Christian... And if you're not, then after the end of this, we're going to invite you to become a Christian. But if you're a Christian, then you are sons and daughters of a guy way back in the Old Testament, you know, they had camels and tents, named Abraham. And Abraham, Han, Han Solo, Abraham, it's the new Star Wars movie coming out. <laughs> the camels have lasers. <laughs> Abraham was given a dream from God that was bigger than the stars in the sky. Not a little dream, not a, not a you know, um, Drew is, a, uh, is or is going to become a financial advisor, not a steady 4%, you know, interest or 6% growth, but an explosive, bigger than the stars dream from God. 
And I want to read you this story of what happened. It's in Genesis chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Probably God sounded a little bit like Liam Neeson. No, you will have a son. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's a pretty good challenge. Ken Limke, I don't know if Ken's in here, Ken likes to do um, uh, photography of the stars. That's quite a challenge. Look up into the sky and count them if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous. And here's the word we're going to talk about a lot today. Because of his faith. The Lord counted him righteous, not because of how many camels he had. He had a lot of camels, not because of how cool he was, but because of his faith. Abraham heard the promise of God and accepted it. I want to tell you today that there is a God-sized dream within each and every one of you. There is a God-sized dream in each and every one of you, not a tiny little dream, but a big, earth-shattering, life-changing dream. For some of us, that dream will touch millions and maybe billions, but the Bible says that in a, in a, in a roundabout way, that one soul is worth the entire worth of the world. And so if you even touch one soul, if you change the life of even one person, then your dream being fulfilled, you living out the, the mission God has given you will have earth-shattering, eternal impact. And so we're going to talk about it today. But here's the catch, and there almost always seems to be a catch. We have to choose faith because there is an alternative, and it's an alternative that sadly many of us, I think we start out in by default, but then we buy into, and that is fear. Today's message is faith versus fear, unleashing God-sized dreams. Each of us is going to have to decide. When we get slapped in the face, like that boy in the movie got slapped in the face, doesn't, doesn't that just tick you off? It's demoralizing. It's embarrassing. Many of us have been slapped in the face in life, sometimes repeatedly, literally, figuratively, and some of us, when that happens, we just accept that is the way the world is, the way the world will always be, and I'm going to begin to walk in fear. I'm going to anticipate it, and I'm going to do what I can to limit and protect myself, but this is my lot in life. Or, and that's what we're going to talk about, you can say, yeah, I feel the sting of this present pain. I see the reality of these present limitations. But I am choosing, like Abraham, who was an old man with no son, lots of wealth, and was going to go to somebody else. 
to trust in a God-sized promise created, uh, given to me by the creator of the heavens and the earth. And so today is faith versus fear. And as I talk, you may have to battle yourself. And I hope that by the end of it, you have got a leg up and you walk out of here with faith. Amen? Which path will we take, faith or fear? I want to tell you, I've dealt with a lot of fear in my life. I know it hurts. I know it's gruesome. But God can overcome it. God has not called us to live in fear, but faith in him and his ability to do great things in our lives. 2 Timothy 1.7, I love this passage of scripture. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. There's a, there's a part in the movie that I just love, and it's when they start running across the rooftop. When is the last time you ever ran? When I was in Disneyland, I think I had to go to some ride, I ran. Most people don't run anymore because running makes you look like an idiot. I think Tom Cruise had a running coach, okay? Most of us can't afford a running coach. Most of us aren't Tom Cruise, which means we're also not a Scientologist, but hey. When is the last time you did anything not timid? When is the last time you're out of breath like I am? Because, yeah, you're out of breath, you're lacking oxygen, but you're receiving life. God wants us literally and figuratively to break out of timidity. Many times we look at shy people and we think they're the most humble. Actually, sometimes shyness is a form of pride. Because it says, I'm going to value my personal protection and safety over putting myself out there and risking maybe being hurt, but also risking being able to help you with who I am. It's taking something amazing and beautiful and vibrant and created by the wisest, most loving, perfect being, God himself, you. You were created by God. It's taking that and putting it underneath a blanket. It's hiding it. That's not only sad for you, that is sad for everybody that surrounds you. And it's actually kind of selfish, not to get too intense here. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power. You know, I, I played uh, seventh grade JV football. Oh, yeah, the glory days. And I remember running with I was a fullback, and I, yeah, I did. I loved it. God wants us to run with power. He wants us to put our head down, bash into the enemy, break down the walls that are binding us, and live the life he's called us to live. Of power, love, and self-discipline. So, faith, bad thing, but what, no, good thing. Faith, good thing. Fear, bad. But what is faith? Let me give you a definition right from Scripture of what faith is. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 1. It says this, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. When is the last time you really hoped for anything? 
because I don't, I don't really call it hoping. Um, this, is, this is how sort of unfaith-filled we are as a, as a society. I ordered Papa John's a couple of days ago, and they let you track your pizza from creation to delivery. <laughs> there's, there's no faith. I want to make sure that pizza tr- delivery driver is going to come, right? Most things we have a surety. It's not faith. I ordered on Amazon. Amazon said it will get here by this day. I got Prime. When's the last time you put yourself out there and hoped for it to actually happen? Faith is the confidence that we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we can not see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. They call this chapter, Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. And if you read through the whole thing, it just references all these people in the Old Testament throughout the, the history of, of the Jews who had stepped out one way or the other, who had ran literally or figuratively and, and embraced the call of God. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. You've all heard this a thousand times, but it's important to once in a while think about the day of your death. And on that day, ask yourself, will they say he lived, she lived full out. She lived for something. Yeah, she made mistakes. Yeah, she, he or she was kind of a dummy once in a while, maybe a long time, but they put something in line. Or will your tombstone say, they died with a whimper. They died in silence. They died without ever taking a risk. I don't want that to be. These people, through their faith, earned a good reputation Something that hit me a while back is I realized I don't want to judge my life simply by those that live today, whether Fox News and CNN and MSNBC and all the, 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 the present sort of experts of the day approve of me. I want to live my life in a way that people, saints throughout the ages in heaven, when I go to heaven, will be able to clap and say, well done. Does that make sense? We're not just judged by our present-day standards. We're judged by men and women who have stood up in the face of fear, in the face of tyranny, in the face of oppression, and said, I believe in a kingdom to come. I believe in the kingdom of heaven, and I'm going to press on. Amen? By faith, we understand that the entire universe, everyone go, the entire universe, was formed at God's command that what we now see did not come from anything that can be, fe- can be seen. Faith is about seeing the invisible. Faith is about seeing the invisible. And believe it or not, you have that superpower already particularly once you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit's in you. He begins to open your eyes, and you have that ability to see the invisible, to see a world that doesn't yet exist with our present eyes, but is out there, and is just as tangible, just as real. It's the whole plea, it's the whole point of this message is that you would recognize and realize that God has a great dream for you, through you, with you, and that if you will let him, he will begin to open your eyes and see it. And if you can see it, you can begin to walk towards it. When you can see it, you can begin to make decisions that will lead you towards it. Amen? You know, I'm going to maybe sound a little uneducated because I don't know the whole speech, but Martin Luther King Jr., when he said, I have a dream, I think he saw something. 
He saw a vision, and that's what they call them visionaries, right? But you know, you don't have to be this great politician. You don't have to be the head of, of, you know, Elon Musk, the head of Tesla. You can just be you, leading your family, living your life. But you can begin, things will be amazing when you also become a visionary and you begin to see the plan God has for you and you begin to walk towards it. You know what the first step is? Lift your head up. The first step is to stop so focusing on what's wrong in your life, your own sin, your own brokenness, your own inability. Lift your eyes up. Look to the stars and begin to look once again at God and let him remind you. Faith is about persevering when things get tough. And once again, you are reminded that life is hard and we don't always get what we want. Life can be hard. I've experienced my own pain and heartache and trials. And as a pastor and as a son of pastors, I've got to vicariously watch and see pain in, in people's lives. And there are times when life just sucker punches somebody. And it hurts. And it's hard. And it's scary. And it feels permanent. But it doesn't have to be permanent. And faith will allow you and help you. And I think it really kind of kicks in. It really becomes true faith in this moment. It will allow you to break free and not let that trauma of the past, that trauma of the present become permanent. If you say, yeah, I feel it now. But I see life beyond this. I feel it now, but I see something else. I hear it now. I hear what my spouse is saying. They're saying they're leaving, but I can see a day where we're going to be united, where we're going to have a great marriage. I hear the prognosis of sickness. I hear with my ears, but I see myself healthy. I see my family whole again. I see my family blessed and prosperous. I see in the natural world, yeah, we're in debt. Yeah, I'm ashamed because I just got fired again. Especially for men, you know, when the Great Recession happened, people killed themselves because all they could see was what was in front of them and what they saw was they were bankrupt, they were broken. I wish to God that I could have gone to them. And we still have these opportunities with people all around us. Maybe you are that person. I wish I could have been able to grab them and say there's more than what you see in this present moment. And if you will lift your eyes up, God is going to do something through you that you couldn't imagine. If you're alive, your story is not done. If you're alive, your responsibility is not done. I was just watching a history show about the resistance and the French resistance during World War II as they would try to undermine uh, the Nazi advance and take over, take over of their country. I imagine if I was one of those French people, it would feel like the Nazis had taken over and this was forever. To see, you know, and I'm, I think, part German. Germans are pretty tough. And to see thousands upon thousands of these Nazi soldiers come in and they're declaring a thousand years Reich, a thousand-year dynasty. It would take some courage to say, you know what, I'm not dead, so the fight continues. Faith is about persevering when things get tough. If you walk the path of faith until the end, you're going to leave behind a life so much richer and expansive than that of fear. 
Because here's the truth, guys. Hope I didn't break your eardrums with the yelling. If I did, we're going to pray for you afterwards. Faith. (laughs) Here's the truth. Faith makes your world small. I keep saying it wrong. Fear. (laughs) Fear makes your world uh, small. Apparently, I'm slightly possessed. Fear makes our world small. And, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but I think, uh, and what I've read from psychologists, from guys who study people's thoughts and brains and all that, is when we're afraid, we seek to control. And if our world's too big, well, we can't control that, and so we make it smaller and smaller. Too many friends to control the environment. Too many friends to, you can't keep your story straight with everybody because one person knows that part of your history. That person knows that part of your history. You have to start cutting out friends. You have to start wedging in between people. You have to start self-sabotaging so you can make your world small enough to control so that you don't feel afraid. The problem is it never ends. Fear never solves fear. When you run, you will keep on running. You go down that rabbit hole, you will just keep on spiraling until you look up and begin to say, no, I choose faith. And if you do that, even if your world feels really small today, even if you feel like a cowboy um, stuck in the back of a ravine and you're surrounded, if you press in, God will begin to expand. Just one day at a time, one act of faith, one act of obedience at a time. God is in the business of taking broken people and making them whole. God is in the business. If you look at the line of Jesus, it's full of broken people. In the line of Jesus, you have, I think it's Rahab, the harlot, the prostitute um, from a, a different foreign Gentile nation. She's actually a part of the genealogy of Jesus. You have um, Ruth, the... Um, Moabite, same thing, an unclean, not part of God's plan, and yet God said, nope, Ruth, my kind of gal, bring her into the family. And now, as you study, you know, the New Testament, you see that before there was like the Jews, the people of God, they were the children of Israel, the children of Abraham, but now, through Jesus, he said, bring everybody, and now everybody gets to be a son and a daughter of that promise. You can't be too broken for God to fix you. If you're, if you're alive, if you're alive, I firmly believe there's hope. And God can do an amazing, amazing things. So choose faith in your relationships. Choose faith in your finances. Choose faith and not fear in your vocation, the job you choose. Choose faith in your ministry. So many people here are servants. So many people here have loved and have poured out. But I would ask you to keep pouring out until the day you die. Choose faith. I know you got burned. I get burned like every single day, it feels like. And I'm not the only one. And you have to finally just say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to ignore this present slight because I was saved by the grace of God when I was, was a silly, stupid, and in the most literal way, damnable sinner. And so I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep believing. That's our call as Christians. We don't have an out. We have faith. If it's not faith, it's sin. I don't know, like burn. That was like a burn. If you don't laugh, I'm going to keep doing this. If it's not faith, it's sin. Romans 14, 23 says this. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. 
Some of us need to break through fear and apply for that job. Others of us need to break through fear, have faith, and you need to hear from God on this one, but, and leave the job you have. Because you're, you're stuck there because of fear. You think that's the only thing there is. It's a good job, it's a comfy place, and you're afraid if you step out, if you even dare to run or jog, if you even dare to lift your eyes up, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow away. But God's promises, they are more real than your present idea of security. That's the great myth. It sometimes it feels like, oh, you really have faith or you actually just have brains, honestly. Because the deception is we think we're safe in these, in these worldly things. We think we can build walls high enough to protect ourselves. But there's nothing as real as that which comes from God, the creator and the source of all that is real. That's kind of deep, but hopefully you're with me. Sometimes... It's being motivated and living based on faith, not fear, as much or more than decision itself. We are called to walk in faith with wisdom. So I'm preaching a bold, unapologetic message of faith, but I do believe our faith needs to be tempered and guided by wisdom. Faith with wisdom says, I'm going to open that new business, but I'm going to get out of debt first. Faith with wisdom says, I will open my heart to a godly relationship just not at the bar. <laughs> Faith with wisdom is I will trust God for protection. And this is an area I deal with. Last night, I woke up almost every hour of the night afraid, like someone was in the house or something was going on. So I, I would check and just make sure things were good. I'd hear noises. I live in an apartment complex. Faith with wisdom is I'm going to trust God for protection. You ever feel afraid for the safety of your family or yourself? Come on, liars, raise your hand. Make me feel good. I know you do. Faith with wisdom is I'm going to trust God for protection, but I'll use the lock on my door. I just won't go get five more unless I live in a really, really dangerous part of town. <laughs> and here's what I said before. You know what? If you love locks, if like your dad was a locksmith and you literally think it's neat to have five locks and it's cool for you, great. Enjoy the locks. But if you're doing it out of fear, you, that's not going to solve, you are not going to feel all that much more comfortable. And it's, 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 Really not righteous, not right. We have to trust God. We can't be driven by that fear. Same thing with guns. I feel like I just love to shoot. I have like a bajillion guns because I enjoy the sport of shooting. Amazing. But if you think that guns are your ultimate source of safety, not right. Not cool, dude. Not cool, lady. Okay? Does that make sense? Not cool, Gene. I have, yeah, I don't have very many guns. I do got a 22. Yeah. Sometimes... I'm going to read my same part again. I'm like Finding Nemo. It's just that faith wisdom. It's balancing it out. It's, yeah, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be wise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take these precautions. But I'm going to ultimately, at the end of the day, know that my final source of protection, my final source of provision, my final source of peace is in Jesus and like I said, I'm trying to be really open and vulnerable, being someone that deals with a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. As I've done this, the degree I have tested this out, there's so much freedom. It is really nice not to have to be your own savior, your own provider, and your own protector. It is really nice. And it's really scary when you have to look in the mirror. And you know, sometimes I look in the mirror, and I'm pretty good. Sometimes like, I'm a little pudgy. And, and then I have to be like, and I have to be my own savior, protector. It's not cool. It is nice to be able to trust in Jesus. It literally is a... I don't want to do that. Shrug the shoulders and... 
That's how you're going to feel if you'll trust in Jesus, if you'll trust in faith and be driven by that and walk according to that, not according to fear. Here's how the story ends. I want to go back to that chapter of faith in Hebrews, and they talk about Abraham again. We read about Abraham in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, and how God had given him a promise and a dream bigger than the stars. And now we're going to read again about what uh, the author of Hebrews had to say about Abraham. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. And it says this, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Something I just want to point out here is how much better your dreams in your life will be when you let them be dreams that are designed and built by God. There are human dreams and then there are God dreams. And it is part of our, I think, our task on this earth to uncover with wisdom, looking at the word, getting counsel from godly leaders and, and, and people that surround you to be able to decipher and find the difference between the two. And when you see a dream that is a God dream, and you go for that. You hold on to that. A city designed and built by God. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. When it says he was as good as dead, that's because Abraham, when he received the promise of God for a whole nation to come out of him, for a son and then heirs in a whole nation, he was an old man. He seemed like he was past his prime. He seemed like he was past his opportunity, and it was too late. And yet in that moment, God, who is the God of comebacks, met him and a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. God gave Abraham a dream bigger than the stars, and he gave him a reality that became bigger than the stars as well. Amen? A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. I know fear can seem so real and hope so dim, but in those moments, we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord and see with eyes of faith and not of fear. We have to take on that superpower to see the invisible and begin to walk towards that. To walk towards that. We have to allow God to design and build the dreams and promises he has put in our hearts. You know what? This kind of began in a really fresh way for me about, I think about a year ago. I was sitting in my parents' office, who were my parents, also my bosses, and I was complaining a little bit. And you know what? As good parents will do and pastors will do is they point it back and said, you know what? The, the person with the problem, Gene, is you. And I listened, and I realized there were some areas in my life that I was holding on to and I was not giving to God. If we're going to really allow God to build our dreams, to design our life, we have to give him everything. That might be the car. That might be the house. That might be the relationship. That might be the job. That might be your plans, your dreams. And the things that I was holding on to are things I'm almost certain God is going to give me later in life, but the problem is who was in control of the car. It wasn't Jesus take the wheel. It was Gino take the wheel. And it hurt and I cried, and I finally had to say, I'm ready. And I cried, and I think when I was in the, I apparently cry quite often. <laughs> and I was in the, sitting there in the chair, and I said, I've never wanted to be a martyr. The cool thing to say up here is, you know, a preacher is that like, yes, martyrdom, awesome. But I haven't wanted to be a martyr. I'd prefer to let someone else be the martyr, and I would just be cool or whatever. And I realized, you know what, no. I have to be willing to die in the flesh, but more than that, I have to be willing to die to my deepest longings, dreams, and desires. 
I have to be willing to give it all to Jesus. And as I've done that, you know, my personal testimony is that God has taken them and he's building them and doing things with them that I could never have imagined. It went from my little toy playhouse to God's a wonderful design. I'm just going to, we're not quite done, but I just want to sing this to you from just prophetically. So you think you can do it on your own. So you think you're better off all alone. I won't break down your walls, but I'll knock on your door. And if you open your heart, I'll show you more. I won't break down your walls, but I'll knock on your door. And if you'll open up your heart, I'll show you more. And that's how God is. God's a gentleman. God, God doesn't make us love him. He doesn't make us choose his dreams. And parents, you guys know this deep agony. You can't make your kids either. But God will knock and knock and knock. And you may have not heard it. You may have not realized it, but all your life, God has been knocking and knocking for you to open the door and let him show you a dream much bigger than your best. And I'm, I'm a prideful dude, and I'm also, I think, a pretty creative dude. But man, my best in comparison to God is that little toy shop, a little teeny thing. God's best is so much better. Hear that, every single one, every person here. Let's say it together. God's best, God's best. is so much better, so much better. than my own. I'm almost certain that Abraham, who we've talked about kind of throughout this message, and who ultimately won, who ultimately is a hero of faith, I'm almost certain that there were times when he probably doubted. You know, I don't think courage is never having fear. You've heard this. It's choosing to look past it, to see beyond. And I believe it's something Abraham had to do. I don't, I, I'm sure he was scared. And you actually see through the Bible, there's times he did weird stuff because he was scared, like pretend his wife was his sister. That's weird. If you've ever done it, just saying. That's weird. And it was because he was afraid. Abraham was afraid at times. But somehow, he had to keep the faith. He had to remind himself. And, you know, I wonder if perhaps once in a while, he would just climb out of his tent go up on to a lonely hilltop and look up at the stars and remember God's promise to him. And maybe, kind of like P.T. Barnum singing his song, maybe Abraham would say, Every night I lie in bed The brightest colors fill my head A million dreams are keeping me awake I think about my family, a vision of the one I see. A million dreams is all it's gonna take. A million dreams to the world you're gonna make. And I think in that moment, he would remind himself, you can clap, it'll make me feel better. I think in that moment, Abraham like P.T. Barnum, and like you, 
had to look up and remember the promise of God, choose faith, and step out into the wonders that God has. Let's all stand right now. I have the great privilege of inviting you to the beginning of this faith journey. The very first step for any of us in embracing the God-sized dreams that God has stored in our hearts is to accept our need for God and accept our own spiritual and moral bankruptcy. The truth is, and the Bible says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And you know it in your souls. This may be your first time to church. This may be your 70th or 100th time to church. You know, I have sinned. I've missed the mark. I've done things I'm ashamed of, done things that hurt other people. And every single person, I don't have to be prophetic to know, every single person here has sinned. And that sin, it locks the door that God is knocking on. That sin keeps us from everything that God has for us. And that's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come as a man, live a perfect life, and die on the cross for our sins. And he said, I will take the payment. I will pay the debt that they could never pay so that they could have life, so that they could enter into the dream that Father God had for them. And so that's what we're here for today. Is right now, if you've never done that, if you said, I do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I've never started my faith journey, or it's been so long, I'm, I'm so far off track, we just want to pray with you. And so many people here have made this journey, but if you haven't, that is like our number one priority is we want to get you on the game board and all that God has for you. And so what I ask is you just raise your hand so we can pray with you. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're not right with God, just lift up your hand. If you have a, a friend or somebody next to you, you can ask him, hey, you right with God? Just give that just a second. Don't make me crumple up that paper again. Okay, I got a hand. Anybody else want to pray with you? Okay, we're going to pray together right now. Let's all just raise our hands up to God. And then afterwards, if you raise your hands, I'd love if you'd come down and get prayer with this group. They're going to help you with the next part of the process. Dear Jesus, I've blown it on my own. I've done things I'm ashamed of. I ask that you'd forgive me. I ask that you'd wash this sin away. I ask that you would accept me into your family so that I can begin to live this journey that you designed for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a hand for that. So if you, we're going to go for just a minute longer. But if, you, if that was you afterward, just come on down. Right now we're just going to pray for everybody else and just speak over you, okay? And you just keep your hands up or just listening. God, I pray that you would open up our eyes to see what we've never seen before. God, I pray that your faith would fill our hearts We're throwing fear down We're breaking fear down This new life will start 
say that. We put our faith in you. We put our faith in you. We put our faith in you, God. on their eyes would just fall off and they would see the light of God and they would see their family different and they would see their work different and their finances different. They would see themselves different when they look in the mirror because they would see with eyes of faith and not of fear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.